Veterans are who we are, what we talk about, who we fight for. This podcast sheds light on real issues facing our veterans. It informs the uninformed, it celebrates their triumphs, and provides hope to those fighting a silent battle. This is Upholding Valor. Welcome. I'm Jill Atwood, Director of Communications for the VA Salt Lake City Healthcare System and your host for Upholding Valor. COVID-19 has impacted all of us in some way, from our young and healthy veterans to our older, more fragile vets, to really everyone in between. For me, it's been tough to watch from the outside looking in because I myself, while I work for VA sharing our stories, I'm not on the front lines. I do not form that bond as you care for a person only to watch them succumb to this horrible virus. But then imagine the joy of watching that veteran improve feel hope again and smile as they walk out of the hospital, overcoming yet another battle in their life. Our veterans are true warriors, and you're about to meet one. Claire Neff is a Navy veteran back from the grips of COVID-19, and I can tell you that it did not want to let him go, but he is here to talk about it out on the other side. I'm also joined by Dana Schmieder, who is a physical therapist here at VA, and I love Dana. She also keeps us healthy here at VA, and she was a big part of Claire's recovery. Thank you so much, you guys, for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And and Claire, I know it might be hard to recall some of this and talk about your story, but I appreciate it because I think other veterans want to hear your story. Um, and I think healthcare providers also need to hear the story of, of, of survival and coming out on the other side. So I, I want to start with having you describe what it was like for you. Um, and, and was there a moment that you thought that you might not walk out of the hospital? There was a couple of moments where I thought it wasn't good. But um, my story, I, I tell everybody about my third and fourth or second and fourth day. When I come in the hospital, I was only in the population downstairs for one day, and they couldn't keep my oxygen up. So I, uh, the, uh, that evening, they put me up in uh, the ICU. And my second day, I remember... <clears throat> There's not a whole lot I remember, but there's there's the the survival part of it. Um, mm-hmm. In a vision or a dream, I, I uh, I'm going to call it a dream. I walked up to this white line that was uh, in the vision, and somebody standing behind me asked me if I was going to step over, and I told or I didn't have a chance to answer him. When he says, you're not ready, and I don't want you to. So I walked away from that line. And the next day I was uh, pretty good. But the following day, which would have been my fourth day, Uh I walked up to that same white line. So it happened again. Yes. So it would be two times that I, I should have died is the way I look at it. And this person was standing next to me when he asked, are are you going to step over (coughs) that line? And I I didn't have a chance to answer him when he said, you're not ready, or I don't want you to. 
and you're not done. And he grabbed a hold of my hand and pulled me away from that line because I probably would have stepped over at that time. Because you were tired. And I, I was just out, wore out. And as we walked away from that line, I looked down at the hand that was in mine. And <clears throat> I don't know if everybody believes in God or not, but the nail print was there. So I know that in your darkest hour, Christ still comes and visits you. And uh, from then on, I started improving, and I was in the ICU for a total of one week, and then they put me back down into the population for a week. And and it was a pretty easy fight after that. Because you knew someone of a higher power had your back. You hear those stories. Some would argue that you might have died for a moment or those two instances. You hear those stories where they're out of body for a while and then you don't go to the light or you, you come back. I don't think that I died because I would I would had to step over that line yeah. to, to finish it. But you were on the verge. Yeah. But... Once he said that I wasn't done, I've, I've got a story to tell and, and to figure out why I'm not done. All right, well, Dana, I'm going to let you pick up the story after this because you probably saw Claire at his best and his worst. When did you first meet him? And it's obvious you two have a bond or you wouldn't be here today. Um, and she wanted you to come tell your story. So... Describe your first interaction with Claire and how you were part of his recovery after he didn't step over that white line. I don't know if I remember the exact first day, uh, but I remember finally having a veteran who was what we would consider a walkie-talkie person, one who (laughs) wasn't as sick as the others but still needed care in the hospital and that's why he was down on the the general COVID floor for a while um but what I what does resonate with me on the first few visits is how much he missed his wife and that he couldn't be with her because I think they do a lot of things together and it's so hard being in the hospital not only sick but then not having anybody to visit with so when I think when he was upstairs, I had no idea, actually, that you had those two interactions. And now I'm realizing just how good that fresh air probably felt when we finally took you outside to go get some sunlight. Um, yeah, let's talk about that because COVID patients are pretty isolated. Mm-hmm. Not pretty isolated. They are, with the exception of, you know, providers coming in and out, taking care of them. So what has VA done or, or what's your process for walkie-talkies mm-hmm. when they're when they're ready to start recovering? Like, how? what did you do for Claire? And let's talk about taking him outside. I think that a lot has changed since he's been here and probably because someone like here, him was here. Um, when he was here, everyone was very isolated. They didn't leave their rooms. It, you know, it was a big deal just to take him outside. And a nurse came with me and we made sure we had two tanks of oxygen and we all wore N95s and extra PPE to go outside and made sure we were away from other people. Um, but since then... 
we have a, a dedicated area in the general COVID floor where we can take our patients out of their rooms and walk them down the hallway. Um, so then any providers in there have to wear protective PPE to keep themselves safe and other providers who would normally walk through that hallway aren't allowed there. While he was here, we had to get really creative because walking around the room or around the bed, you know, 10 times is not exciting and it's not very far. And it was especially challenging for him because he was riding his bike 26 miles before he got here. So he was wow. in great shape. Um, so one day I said, I have to think outside the box because I can tell his mood is going down and he needs to do something. So I brought over a cornhole board and <laughs> made him throw the beanbag a few times just to kind of switch up what we were doing for therapy and challenge his lungs but not overdo it. Mental health is a big part of the recovery and, and it, it takes a hit being isolated in those rooms. Can you can you talk about that? Were you once you were out on the other side and, and knew just knew that you were gonna be okay, were you kinda going crazy? Yeah, inside those rooms when they keep you all boxed in, it's it's like a person like me, I don't I don't I hate to be boxed in. Yeah. And it, I it, it's almost like prison here or when I was here because I couldn't leave I couldn't go past any door in there and like she said I rode I ride, I used to ride my bike for you know forever I'd ride all day Saturdays and most of my time I'd be doing over 26 miles a day and just enjoying the outdoors and then to be cooped up inside mm -hmm. it was experience I don't want to hear again or see again. A lot of the rooms don't even have great windows so sure. most of the time they can't even really see outside. And they're rigged for that negative pressure so yeah you are in a sense in a box with like I, I think like a whirring sound or a, a wind sound is that accurate? Mm -hmm. the, the, the most you can do in there is walk around your bed and well Dana brought the, the cornhole thing and I played that quite a bit walked around the bed and played it, <laughs> it just... how was your care overall I mean is there anything that we can do better I mean I know Dana took you outside this is a scary question I... you better answer it right <laughs> <laughs> I believe that I had the best nurses there was in the world to um to deal with it uh, I loved all the nurses and I think that they love me and uh, I just enjoyed them being there yeah and uh, they were your family for a time it, they they did they talked to me and and there was a few times when I got the pneumonia after the COVID that uh, um, after they took the, the, the ventilator tube out of me when I had the the um, pneumonia, they brought me my very first meal, and after not eating for so long, yeah. they brought this meal that was all all the food was all ground up, and it was like it didn't even smell good. Uh. And I pushed it away when they when they set it down. And I says, "I can't eat this." You wanted a burger. And then, well, yeah, <laughs> and and. Uh, that was my lowest point is, is when that happened. Yeah. I sat on the edge of the bed, and I just put my face in my hands, and I started crying. And, I, and my nurse come in. Her name was Joy. I'll never forget her. Mm -hmm. She's 
a great nurse. And what a great name. And uh, she come in and she says, what's wrong, Claire? And I says, I'm giving up. I can't fight no more. I says, stuff like this. And she says, oh, no, you're not. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a Christian. And she says, I'm going to pray with you. And that was my lowest point, but it was this, the point where I started coming back also because of her praying with me and, and, and getting me through the the want to give up and to fight again. And once once I started fighting again, it was like that was the point where everything started going a whole lot better and faster. And you struggled with this for a good, what, six weeks or so? I was it was back the, and forth, right? Total time that I was in the hospital was 40 days. Wow. You did form a bond with a lot of our folks. I love that story. But see, I knew you were going to answer <laughs> in a good way. I knew you had my back. Um, so... Prior to this, you were biking 26 miles. So you're a relatively healthy guy. Um, you, you know, I, I would assume in your 60s, I'm looking at you in your 60s, so not one of the older vets that they talk about. How do you think this happened? How do you think you got it? And, and Dana, you can, you can speak to it too. It's just, it just seems so random. I really don't know how I got it because we we done everything that we were supposed to. We supposed to, we put our face mask on. We mm-hmm. was we did the six foot thing. Anybody got in my space, I would back off, get mad and back off. But um, me and Leona did everything we possibly could because I you know I was under the impression that if I got it, I would die. So we tried our best not to get it, and then we just, we got it, and I don't know how. It done me, you know, put me in the hospital for two weeks for the COVID, and she got the the type that she wasn't sick. She Mm -hmm. just had the symptoms, and uh, she wasn't sick at all, but she had the virus. Dana, I'm assuming you've seen varied cases of covid and how it impacts folks i mean you just never know you never know that when i was helping out on the covid floor um i actually did take some time off because it is emotionally exhausting to take care of them because we want to be their family members and their caregivers when they need it most um but there were a lot of veterans who come in from nursing homes so it's really nice that the vaccine is going to people who are living in or staying in nursing homes um, because it's just it just seems so easy to get it there um, but for the general population it, you can't see it we're fighting a battle we can't see it's kind of a mystery and yeah. it's hard to see how different it shows up in everyone and I think the hard part as a healthcare provider is that they're coming to the hospital because they're actually sick. So what people see in the community with COVID transmission is very, very different from what we see in the hospital. And, you know, we see a lot of the cases with negative outcomes. And that's why I wanted to bring Claire because he's one of the ones that made it out walking and talking and sitting here smiling at us. How much do you think she had to do with that? A whole lot. Yeah. Uh, one of the nurses told me that uh, 
when a physical therapist comes in, you don't never tell them no. <laughs> and I tried my best. I think that I only did uh, a couple of no's the whole time that I was there, and, th- and it was just days that I could not get up. Right. But any, but every time they walked in, I did my best to do what they had for me to do, and a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Even with a ventilator in, he's one of the best patients we've had participate in therapy with a breathing tube in. It's pretty incredible. Well, and she's a driver. I've been in her boot camp classes that she holds for employees, and yeah, those will those will kill you. So I'm sure she pushed you. <laughs> And I'm glad you responded. I think she's one of the best. Claire, talk to me about when you were ready to leave the hospital. That last day when you recovered and you finally get to go home. What was that day like? That day for me was a really great day. It was the the day before that they they discharged me. Um, The doctor that was was with me most of the way through of it, he, um, you know, how they always come in with a big team. He walked in, and, and uh, I was sitting up in the bed. And he looked at me, and he says, How you doing, Claire? And I says, I'm doing excellent. And he stopped dead in his tracks, and he says, I didn't think I would ever hear you say that. And then he turned to all the people that was behind him, and he says, I want you to know this is the person that we brought back from the dead. And uh, wow. we're going to release him tomorrow. And when he said, I'm releasing tomorrow, that was the first I heard of it. And it was music to my ears. And then talk to me about actually leaving, like, that whole experience. You probably have it imprinted in your mind. Well, I had my sister pick me up because I wanted to surprise my wife. (gasps) That's right. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) This just gets better. But uh, um, they, you know, I always wanted to walk, but... I had to go down there on the, and let them push me out of here. And I I was just uh, happy-go-lucky all the way out of here. And then we get out to my sister's car, and we get everything in it, and I had to have oxygen and all that stuff. But that was... And then we went down and down to my home, and, and Leona was all getting ready to leave, I think. She was getting ready to leave when we pulled up. What are you up to? And... Uh, <laughs> It was just a joyful reunion again. Oh my gosh, she's crying. His wife is in the studio with us. That's awesome. 48 years of marriage and wouldn't change a day of it. So Dana, I know that they're isolated and they don't have an opportunity to really have visitors. Like his wife couldn't come to visit him. But um, I would imagine that you facilitated some FaceTimes, or, or how does that work? Did he did he actually get to speak with his wife or, or see her on so the phone? the first time he was in the hospital, he could do it himself because he was a walking, talking, normal person. Um, but the second time when he came back with pneumonia and he was on the ventilator, I mean, you can't even really keep him awake for that, and they have to be on a proning schedule where they lay on their stomach for a certain number of hours during the day. Um, and when we finally got him on his back again and starting to wake up, they were trying to wean him off of the ventilator and he was just so alert one day and I'm like, it's time we need to call his wife. Um, so I called his wife and made sure that she'd be available to talk. And then his nurse made this, he rigged up this cool little setup on the edge of his bed and cut a hole in a box, a tissue box 
and set the hospital iPad in the box on a table that was facing him. And so he can't actually talk, but they could see each other and smile. And Claire's laying there, and it's like one of his first active therapy sessions in a few days, and he's trying to raise his arms and talk. And we all stepped out of the room to give him some privacy. It's me, the occupational therapist, and his nurse, and we're all standing outside the room crying because it was just nice to help, and it was so sweet to see and... Why Just did incredible. you? Why did you cry though? Did you did you witness any of their interaction at all, or hear anything? I mean, only little bits. Like you could tell she was crying, probably tears of joy to see him awake and and know that he was going to be okay. Because for a while he was so tenuous, and especially when they need to prone, that's how you know they're really at their low, and you you have no idea if they're going to make it out alive or not. And so he's finally well enough to look at somebody. And so, yeah, you can hear the whole family just overjoyed, but crying. And it was, so I think we were all crying because it was just very touching and it was awesome to be able to help. So talk to me about how are things now? Because I know you were probably out of work for a while, which was hard. Um, where, Where is Claire now? I was out of work up until Monday of this week, and I went back to work. And it, it was my own doing. I, I don't have to work. I have I have to now just to make up for all the money that was spent on uh, while the the coal was while we was down with this stuff. But um, are you okay financially? No, we're gonna. I'm I'm still digging up. Yeah. You know, but we'll make it. I'm sure. It it's. We're pinching pennies and squeezing them as best, <laughs> best you know, we can. just like everybody, right? Yes. How's your bike riding? Are you riding the uh, bike again? I just barely got my new bike. Somebody stole the one that I had. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. But hey, a new one. Well, <laughs> I like the old one. <laughs> but um, I haven't ridden for a while. Um, I got some problems with one of my knees i gotta get it straightened out first baby steps yep i gotta work through i don't know what happened to my knee but we'll get it straightened out and we'll be i'll be back up there the 26 27 miles easy And, and you've got your wife by your side you're both healthy again yes the family the whole family's doing pretty good dana any any parting words about claire and and your ex- your whole experience with him well i think he all just reminded us why we all love our job and why we like working for veterans and you know we love their stories and their history and to be able to give back for something you gave us is incredible um i think it takes a team i think you had the right team i'm there's so many different providers here but somehow all the right people fell in his lap and he had nothing but yeses for us and i can do this and he's just been a joy to work with any parting words claire i just enjoyed her and and the other physical therapist and all the nurses i love every one of them and it was a if i wasn't sick it was a good experience I'm inspired by you. I'm super proud of you. I'm so glad you're back and doing well. Thank you so much. And Dana, thanks for what you do, girl. I appreciate it. 
Thanks for joining us today for Upholding Valor. Stay safe, take care of each other, and be kind. This is Jill Atwood. I'm a VA employee, Army veteran, and veteran of Desert Storm, and this is really personal to me. There is no greater mission than to serve and fight for those who fought for us. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe or rate us, or better yet, tell a vet and tell a friend to tune in by texting veterans to 57500 or go to ksl360.com slash veterans. VA is honored to serve you. Talk to you next time.